0: what's going on everybody this is your boy Shay coming back at y'all with another episode of the Emmaus Proposition man what's going on with y'all hope y'all doing good uh, me everything's been cracking man it, it's it's been a good couple weeks I know I didn't come uh, through last week with an episode but it's because I was getting ready for the Passover meal that we had at our house and yo this is this is my holiday, man. Like this this is the day of the year that I most look forward to. Like Christmas I'm iffy on. I don't know why, man. Even even as a kid, when Christmas would come along, like my folks would get me presents and I'd be like, yo, I I appreciate it, I really do, but it, it doesn't get me jazzed and you know, that would cause a bunch of drama because who wants to who wants to give somebody a, a gift that they're just like, Meh, schmeh." <laughs> <"Shh>, <laughs> So, you know, they still give me, my mom still gives me a hard time to this day because I just, I've always had like a kind of a like like shrug my shoulders kind of attitude toward Christmas. And like as a pastor, you know, that's supposed to be the the time of year when people are celebrating the birth of Christ and God coming into the world, him incarnating himself. God finally walking amongst men to make his dwelling place, the, the prophecies of Isaiah come into fruition and God makes a big deal about it, Sending a uh, choir of angels to, to come and, and preach the good news to to shepherd boys and all kinda of stuff, right? But the biggest problem with that, man, is I don't am pretty sure it didn't happen in December. <laughs> I love that Jesus came into the world. i will give you all man like the fact that Christ would come and live in an incarnate way, like he would put on flesh to understand what my temptation is like and know that it's like able to able to understand what it is that I go through in life. I love I love that, man. That's a it's one of the foundations of my faith, you know what I mean? But for us to celebrate it on December twenty fifth, when originally December twenty fifth was uh it was another festival that <laughs> when Christianity came to Rome, they just kinda overlaid it on top of it. So, you know, I got I got my thoughts about Christmas and just the all the symbolism and stuff like that, man. Uh is a bunch of layovers from from all that all the all the stuffs, right? So I got I've always had questions about Christmas and, and then when I got older and started looking into it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that might be why I got some issues with it. The same with Easter, man. Easter, like, love the fact that Christ would rise from the grave, man, pro- proving that he had the power over sin and death. Like, there's there's nothing better. There's nothing better than the resurrection. If, if not for the resurrection, y'all should pity me, because I am a fool. I, This is what I'm hanging my hat on. The resurrection of Christ is what I hang all of my life on. The fact that Jesus would rise himself from the grave. Not that he faked his death, like some folks like to say. Not that he only uh, he, he appeared to be dead. <laughs> Not that he rose in a spiritual form. Yo, this dude died, stayed in the grave for three days, and then got up. His body got up. People touched him. People talked with him. They saw him. There's eyewitness accounts of it. My faith, my faith hangs in the balance. If that's not true, I'm to be most pitied, like Paul would say. But the celebration of Easter, man, like how we got to rabbits pooping out chocolate <laughs> or jelly beans <laughs> is, is, is crazy. It's, it's, it's why it's wild to me, the, the, the commercialization of, of how we do those holidays, right? And they've been They've been uh, hijacked. To, the meaning of what the church wants to do with those, of course, of course, culture is going to retake them because they belong to culture in the first place. So I got my thoughts about that. I ain't trying to ruin Christmas or Easter for nobody. I might do an episode on that sometime. Actually, I might bring in people who disagree with me on it, and uh, maybe they can set me straight because <laughs> I got crazy thoughts. Um, but those aren't those aren't like the holidays I get jazzed about. Yo, Passover he jazzed about Passover. I guess mean, it's, it's just one of those things, man, where we see Jesus at the Last Supper. We see him rise from the table and tie a, a cloth around his waist, and he's washing his disciples' feet. We see, uh, we see the wine that, that's flowing around uh, with the disciples. We see uh, Jesus instituting communion at the Last Supper. Like, we... Man, the last meal he has with his boys before he goes—like, this man, there's so much, there's so much to Passover that uh, that I just get excited about. And um, I got some reasonings and I'm, I'm gonna talk y'all, talk to y'all for today about that stuff because uh, we just had our Passover meal this past weekend. Like, the reason why I record record last Wednesday, last Thursday was because I was preparing, man. Like, I was I was knee deep and getting the house cleaned up and. Getting food prepared and all kind of stuff, right? Like I'm getting everything ready for to host folks over, and um, everybody came over, man. I love the crowd that came over. Uh, there was some folks that had to bow out last minute, and uh, man, I this it's one of those things where I wish I wish everybody could come and just and just celebrate the fact that that like, yo Jesus loves us, man. Like in the, in the fulfillment of of the Bible. We can see it right there uh, in Passover, and so y'all, the food was off the chain. So I got I, I gotta tell y'all about this because it's it's actually like what ancient Israel Israel would do, man. When they would have their celebrations, so they would have stuff like uh, Palm uh, Passover uh, Feast of Booths. Like they they I think there's three main festivals the Jews would have throughout the year. And when they would do it, man, it was, it's like a week long party for, for all of them, like. They celebrate. They party. You know what I'm saying. And and Passover was one of those one of those that you know they they would celebrate it for the entire week, but it's capped off with the Passover meal. And the Passover meal for the for the Jewish people was meant to symbolize um, their time in Egypt and God's deliverance uh, of their people, making themselves making God making the people into a nation. um, And it it kicks off with Passover, with Passover meal, right? So. Let me tell you a little bit about that story, maybe, maybe you've never heard it, maybe you've never heard the way I tell it, (laughs) either way, that's what I'm about to do. (laughs) So, um, God's people, they're they're in the land of Egypt, Um, so Israel, or uh, or Joseph, um, he uh, becomes second in command in Egypt. Uh, the land of Egypt uh, goes into a famine so uh, Joseph brings his his family up and uh, he takes care of them in the land of Egypt Um, the Pharaoh at the time says yo y'all can have this plot of land over there let your family settle out there, it's it's good land, it's good farming land, y'all can do you alls thing while y'all out there problem being time goes on, people die off the Pharaoh dies off, a new Pharaoh comes to power and he don't like the fact that all these people have all this fertile land And they look like they're starting to outnumber my people. And so we got to get this thing under control. Let's just, let's just enslave them. (laughs) This king thinks to himself, right? Let's just, let's just enslave them since there's so many people. And we can treat them however we want to. So in the midst of all that, a little boy was born named Moses. Um. The pharaoh's like, yo, I not like that they they keep having all these babies, so I'm gonna get the midwives to kill off all the baby boys. Um, soon as they're born, that way they'll stop procreating, right? One mom is like, yo, I'm not gonna let these clowns kill my baby, so she puts the little baby Moses in the basket, sends him upriver. Moses ends up running into the the princess of the pharaoh. We don't know her name. She brings him to the household, and they um, they hire the mom to raise the boy. Like in a, in a cool little twist, they hire the, Moses' mom to raise him, but he actually gets adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He grows up. He sees that his people are being treated bad. He still he still belongs to those people, but he's growing up in the household of uh, the Egyptians in, in the Egyptian royal family, and so he's living these, this dual life, right? But he sees how his people are being treated, and so one of the uh, one of the are roughing up one of the uh, Jewish slaves, and uh, Moses goes through and and slaps him around, ends up killing him, right? And people find out about it. Moses goes on the run. He goes out in the desert. Lives for like another 40 years off in the desert. While he's out there, the people are like suffering. Like they they getting it good in Egypt. Like they're they going through some hard times. So they're crying out to God. God says, Moses, I need you to roll back to Egypt. I need you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses is like, yo, <laughs> one, I'm going to run for murder. <laughs> Two, if Pharaoh ain't going to listen to me, man. And God says, yo, I'm gonna go with you. Moses is like, but I stutter. God is like, look man, I told you to go. <laughs> and so God says, you know what? I'm gonna send, uh, I'm going your brother Aaron with you. So y'all go, y'all go roll up on Pharaoh, let him know he's gonna let my people go. Otherwise, some stuff about to pop off. So they go, they roll up on Pharaoh. Pharaoh's, a, Pharaoh's like, I ain't letting the people go. Moses is like, all right, check this game. Like, God says let my people go, or some stuff gonna happen to you. Pharaoh's like, I don't even know what you're talking about, this God thing. Who's the Lord? What are you talking about? Who is, who is this Yahweh? Who is the I Am? Moses's like, Alright, I told you. So, God, in a succession manner, ends up putting on Pharaoh these 10 plagues. And it, the, I think the purpose of the 10 plagues was to attack all of uh, Egyptian theology. Like, each one of the things, like um, the Nile River turning into blood. Uh, the frogs, the flies, uh, the darkness, the hail, all those things, because they had gods over like the God over the Nile, the God over um, the animal life, God over the harvest, and and God was going through, and he was just like, I'm Lord over this, I'm Lord over this, I'm Lord over this, so God God is like making himself known, like, yo, you don't know who I am, huh? Let me show you who I am. And he, uh, Romans goes on to say that the, the reason why God even let Pharaoh become Pharaoh was so that God could display his power over him. So God intentionally raises Pharaoh up in order to put him to shame, right? That's that's kind of what it, what it makes it seem like in Romans 9. And so they go through all this stuff. They get to the 10th plague, and God is like, yo, this is going to be the worst of all. I need you to... Um, Tell the people, take a lamb, slaughter it, take its blood, and paint it over their doorposts. That way, when this death angel I'm about to send comes through, the death angel knows to skip over the house that the that the lamb died for. So God, God institutes an act of salvation for his people as he judges the nation that they're living in. There's a good message for the nation we're living in right now. <laughs> Holy moly. Anyway, uh, death angel comes through, the firstborn of everything in in Egypt dies. People and animals, right? Like God just just sends the death angel through and it wipes everything, uh, all the firstborn, out. Except for the people who have the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. So essentially, the death angel passes over the people who have trusted in God by painting, by painting the door, by painting the, the blood of the lamb over their door. And so the Jews celebrate this because right after that, Pharaoh's like, yo, y'all got to bounce. Get out of here. And the people of Egypt are like, yo, we want y'all to leave so bad. Just take our stuff. Like, just take it and go. Take our possessions and just get out of here. So the people of Israel plunder the people of Egypt without even having to fight a battle. This is God's battle kind of thing, right? And so, this is the day, essentially, that they become a nation. Uh, when when God rescues those people, because it says a, a host went out with them. So it wasn't just the people that belonged to them by blood, but probably people who uh, trusted in God enough to paint the blood of the Lamb over their door too, because they probably heard this message, and they wanted to be associated with the people of God. So the people go out from the land of Egypt, of course, God changes his mind again, gives chase, but then Moses uh, parts the Red Sea. The people walk across on dry land. God collapses the waters back on top of the Egyptian army as they try to pursue. God's people are delivered. They sing songs. They celebrate. Right. So this is this is Passover. This this is what they do, baby. This is how they get down. Like because uh, it's a celebration. Like God in His miraculous. Like He sends the plagues. He splits a sea. He crushes their enemies. He gives them riches. He makes them a people. This is what we celebrate, right? This is almost like, I don't know if it's their new year, but I imagine it's like it's like their new year kind of thing, right? I don't know much about Jewish history like that. Anyway, that's the Bible. That's, that's the biblical take on it. So, Jesus comes along thousands of years later. And thousands of years? A long time later. Jesus comes along, and um, the people are still celebrating Passover. God, God actually tells them, "Like, yo, this is going to be a festival. I want y'all to remember what I did for y'all, to make y'all people. I, I put on a show for y'all, and y'all, and y'all, y'all ain't always going to appreciate it. So I need you to make it into a festival where you remember it. And so that's what that's what they were continuing to do uh, up until the time of Jesus, even up until today, people. Of uh, the, uh, the Jewish people still celebrate Passover but in Jesus' time as they were celebrating it Jesus comes along to his last week on earth and uh, they're having their Passover meal uh, he sends a couple of his disciples off he says yo I need y'all to go cop a house uh, so we can have this Passover meal Just we just need an upper room um, and we're going to set it off we're going to do it right because this is my last this is my last meal with y'all before I bounce and before before the mayhem starts for the day and so they get to the upper room and I imagine what's on the table is uh, just some just some delights you know what I'm saying we've got uh, when God was getting ready to tell the people to leave out of Egypt he told them "Y'all need y'all to take a lamb uh, matter of fact a lamb that you slaughter I want you to go in and cook it but you ain't got time to do a bunch of extra stuff. Just roast it over the fire, uh, and be ready to go. Matter of fact, even the bread that you make, don't get all fancy and try to wait for it to rise and and try to do all that kind of stuff. Yo, just bake it without the yeast, and and cook it, and be ready to go. Cause cause when Pharaoh says to go, y'all need to pack up and go. So that's what they did, and and. Uh, those two elements in particular, I bet were on the table. I bet you there were some other elements that were on the table because as time goes by, uh, people bring in other elements to the food that they want to they want to highlight and celebrate. And so Jesus is up in the upper room, and uh, he's looking at everybody. He's appreciating everybody. He sends Judas off to go do his treachery thing. And he, he, uh, he looks at the table, and he takes the bread that's there, the unleavened bread, Basically, bread bread baked without yeast. He breaks it and he looks at his people and he says, "Yo, this is like my body. It's gonna break, but but it's gonna break. Uh, so by my stripes, you can be healed." Uh, and then he takes the cup of wine that's on the table and he uh, he he um, he blesses he blesses it. He looks at his folks and he says, "Yo, this." This wine is like my blood, it's gonna it's gonna be poured out, and I'm and I guarantee what people are thinking the whole time, like, yo, we got the lamb over there, why is Jesus talking about his body and his blood? Yo The blood, oh the blood like they had to do with the death angel. Hopefully that's what they're associating, man. Who knows? Like the the Bible doesn't really say with that. But Jesus institutes uh, communion. He says, yo, as often as y'all do this, do it in remembrance of me. Um, so, there's a lot of churches that take that to mean like, yo, every time we do communion, we do it in the remembrance of God. There's some folks that think, yo, every time we partake in any meal, we do it in remembrance of what Christ has done. Yo, I think both can be true. Um, but the elements are on the table. So, yo, when I do Passover, my grandma, so let me take it back a little bit. When I was a kid, my grandma ran the kids' church. So, uh, you know, church was going on upstairs. They were like, all right, uh, after some songs, they were like, okay, the kids can go downstairs. My grandma would take all of us hoodlums downstairs in the the under part of the church. It wasn't the basement, but it was like like an under room, like a meeting room down there. And it was probably like, yeah, it was probably like 20 of us kids, man, and, and my grandma holding us down. And she used to do Bible cruises with us in there and teach us us the scriptures and stuff like that. And when Passover would come along, she would actually, uh, she actually introduced us to this concept of Passover. So she kept it real simple. She did, um, she did roasted lamb, unleavened bread, grape juice, and bitter herbs. Like it was just those four things for us. And, And for the bitter herbs, she would do parsley and salt water. Super simple. But that's what she—that's how she would get down, right? And man, I gotta tell y'all, man, it was—it was probably one of the most impactful things, I think I've ever experienced, man. It's, it's one of the things that when when I think about Passover, like Grandma comes to mind. You know what I mean? And maybe it's because like those familiar tastes, like your your body holds a story. You know what I mean? So my my taste buds they they yearn for that parsley and salt water and. uh, it's it's you know it just takes you back. It's one of those things that just takes you back. Like you hear a good song that you remember from back in the day, and you're transported back in time. Same thing with Passover, man. My taste buds when they when they get that parsley and salt water is just it just takes me back, and I miss her. You know what I'm saying? But uh, she's had those four simple things, and so as I grew up, um, fell away from the faith that I knew as I got into my my teen years and my twenties and stuff like that. Came back to Christ when I about the time I was meeting my wife and you know we would do we were growing up in the Lord and doing all this stuff. And uh, a few years down the line, you know, I'm leading the Bible study now. And I'm like, you know, I wanna I wanna bring this back. I want to bring this back into my life. And so I started super simple, just like Grandma did. Like I got the, I got the lamb, I got the uh, the unleavened bread, I got the parsley and salt water, and I got the grape juice. And since we grow, we do a wine. <laughs> grandma can serve wine in the basement of the church, but we can do wine now that we grow. And so people loved it. I loved, I loved having it. People were like, "Man, I've never had lamb before. Uh, this is so cool. It's so cool thinking about like the story of redemption, how." God called his people back in Exodus and Jesus uh, is instituting uh, his people at his last Passover meal and he and he spreads it out. He says as often as you do this continue um, continue to think about me, like every time you do it. So thinking about all the elements and what those elements meant to the Jewish people and separately, similarly but separately, what those elements now mean to those who are in Christ, and, and, uh, man, as people would would start to interact with their faith through their taste buds, man, yo, I'm a foodie, y'all, like, I, I don't know, I like playing around with flavors, I like, I like when people, uh, I think, I think one of the things that's underrated about God, God gave us, like, five separate categories of taste buds, like, who thinks of that? God does. God, God, in His glory, said, "I want them to have awesome experiences." Not only does He give us sight to see beautiful things, not only does He give us like like hearing to hear beautiful things, but yeah, He gives us taste buds to taste beautiful things: the salty, the sweet, the spicy, the sour, sour is a glory from God. Umami. I mean, it's, it's just this explosion of flavor, right? Like all these, all these taste buds, and when they all come together, I mean, it's just to the glory of God, man. So, celebrating God through food to the glory of God. Like, have you ever, have you ever noticed, like, a lot of festivals that the Jewish people went through? They they surrounded food. <laughs> food was like the main thing. Even today, like most of our most of our celebrations, man, forget. It. Get getting presents for Christmas, man. We getting we getting roast beef. Some people getting a Christmas ham. I can't do ham. Some people some people getting down there. Thanksgiving. Oof. Getting down on it. Fourth of July with the hot dogs and the hamburgers. And, oh man, this is good stuff. Easter. These these things for me, like, they they're noted by the food that we partake of. And so Passover is no difference. And uh, over the years, I've expanded the menu, um, and so when when I have Passover, there's some there's some elements that I kept from Grandma because you know that that's where the baseline is, and then I've added a few more. So, uh, let me start with the bitter herbs because I think I think a lot of people are just like, we didn't see Jesus doing that in the text, and so where do you get that from? Uh, I think so as we look at Passover the way uh, a lot of the Jewish people celebrate Passover, they have bitter herbs on their plate and so they'll do stuff like uh, either lettuce or radishes, um, my grandma did uh, parsley and salt water and uh, for, for, for people that are going through it uh, on the Jewish side, like it represents uh, the bitterness of the years that they spent in Egypt and the, the hard labor that they were placed through by the Pharaoh. And the salt water that goes with the parsley is like the tears that were cried as they're crying out to God, um, and in their context, like they're waiting for they're waiting for delivery, for us in Christ. We have that delivery in Christ, and so as we uh, as we partake of the bitter herbs, we can we can remember the bitter times we've been through. We've, we've been through, um, man, people stabbing us in the back people talking bad about us people undercutting us and different stuff man life just happening Um, natural disasters cancers diseases and flus and illnesses and all this kind of stuff man like life is bitter and we cry out to God in our hearts and what we read from the biblical text is not only has uh, God delivered us so he delivered the people of Israel He has delivered us from sin and death, but then he promises to wipe away every tear from every eye, and there is no more bitterness. So as we sit down with the Passover meal, and we partake of that, we remember, yeah, but then we remember, but these things will be gone in glory. And so it's exciting, you know what I'm saying? Uh, So there's bitter herbs, and so when I did Passover uh, this past weekend, you know, we got the parsley and salt water. We got I forgot to put out the radishes, y'all, just cause I, I got overwhelmed, but the radishes was in the fridge ready to, ready to be cut up. Uh but then we do uh fried leeks. And y'all, I'm telling y'all, man, this this is one of those things where I feel like God has blessed me with the knowledge of how to fry leeks. <laughs> just because yo, it is so tasty, man. Like what I do, so I'll I'll cut uh, the green part off of the leeks, and so we just do the, the light green or the white part, we cut them in, in strips, uh, either big or little strips, it doesn't really matter, but then we, uh, we dredge them, of course you gotta wash them off cause leeks are dirty, but we dry them off, we dredge them in some, some cornstarch and some baking powder, yeah, baking powder, I always get baking powder and baking soda mixed up, dredge them in, in uh, in those two things, in the uh, the cornstarch, baking powder, and then just drop them billies in the oil. Let them fry for like a minute or so. And then they come out like golden brown, crispy. You, you, you do a little bit of salt on them. Uh, we do some sea salt. Man, it's the perfect addition. Like if you want to put something on your burger to, to, to throw it up a notch, you'll do some fried leeks. If you want to do, uh, we did the lamb, so if you want to step your lamb game up, you'll do it with the fried leeks. Uh, roast beef is it's awesome with it. Yo, know, uh, like if you want to do like a beer can chicken or something like that, where you roast the chicken, you'll have some leeks on hand and do these. bills. I'm telling you, they're so versatile, but they have so much flavor. We count those as one of our bitter herbs, and it always sets the party off, man. That's one of those things, like as I cook them, the kids are coming through and like snatching them like I gotta tell them look y'all go away because y'all <laughs> there's gonna be none left if y'all keep doing this. So so that's one right the bitter herbs. Um and that's where you get that's where you get the majority of your vegetables right there right then we got the eggs so for uh Jewish context uh an egg kinda all over the world was always like a symbol of like fertility and, and different things like that and so as they have it on the the Passover plate, uh, the Jewish people are celebrating like God bringing them new life. Like they had a life that was basically leading to death, and God brings them into a new life. Um, and it's it's essentially Him bringing them into the Promised Land, right? But as those that are worshiping Christ, yes, we can look at it as as our old man has been put to death, and the new man has been raised up. But also, um, even the well, the Easter egg, as we have the egg, right, it represents the tomb of Christ. So this Jesus was in the tomb, he was placed in the tomb after his death, and the stone was rolled in front of it, the yoke. <laughs> and then like when when Jesus resurrected from the grave, like the stone is rolled away. So you have like the egg the, the yoke is gone we still eat the yolk and mostly we we do like kind of like a deviled egg kind of thing so I've always thought it weird to call it a deviled egg when celebrating God but that's the name of it I'm not trying to make it devil but anyway we celebrate the fact that not only have we been brought into the newness of life but we're actually promised eternal life And so we remember and we celebrate and we give God thanks and glory um and of course people people got like deviled egg recipes out the wazoo man some fried leeks on these deviled eggs. I'm telling you, man, these leeks, these leeks is going to change, it's going to change your game. I'm just saying. Um, but that was was another element we have. We have something called, uh, hair set. Hair set, um, it's like a fruit nut mixture. And, um, some people, they do it like chopped, they'll do like chopped apples and, uh, some raisins and all kinds of stuff, cinnamon and just honey and all kinds of stuff, right? Um, but the hair set what it would represent, uh, like for the Jew for in a Jewish plate, it would represent uh, like the mortar, the mortar that the Jews used to build the buildings of the Pharaoh. So whether it was his home or some of the some of the pyramids or stuff like that, it was it was used to remember um, the mortar that they had to use. And when Moses came along, it was they thought he was causing trouble and. and the former were like oh you got time to complain to Pharaoh huh well go gather your own straw to make these bricks and so they remembered all these hard times in this plate and the the mortar is the thing that bound the bricks together uh, so they can they can make these buildings for us in a Christian context the thing that binds us all together is the spirit of God himself and so as the Holy Spirit is coming to our life he's, he's the seal of God that that God has uh, protected and sealed us for eternity. He's He's the uh, He's the seal that we now belong to God as children, as adopted children of God. Not only Not only that, but He also is is renewing us and making us more into the image of Christ. And He's the man. He's the He's the Spirit of Adoption, the Spirit of Truth. Everything we need to live this life. Uh, with the, with the righteousness we need to please God, like it's the Spirit of God that's living inside of us, the Herald said is the reminder of that, that we have the Spirit of God that's binding us together with God, not only that, but it's binding us together as the church of God, because the Bible calls us uh, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, not only are our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit, but it says that we, like living stones, are being built together as the temple of God, and so that mortar, the Holy Spirit, is the thing that's holding us together, man. I love I love this stuff, man. I I love the fact that we have all these reminders of what God is doing for us. Um, and then we got the bread, the unleavened bread. Yes, um, we we keep what, what Jesus Jesus gave the perfect description, like the Jews is their reminder of the haste the hastiness that they had to leave Egypt with and the the, the yeast was like a metaphor for sin. Um, in that they didn't they didn't put yeast into their bread because they're trying to be like sinless and Jesus ca- J- Jesus carries that theme along like yo we continue to have a body that's that's sinless and this this sinless body is going to break on your behalf my body will break you'll be healed by my stripes you will see redemption kind of thing right and it's it's beautiful, man. Like we don't, need, we don't need to change any of that, man. If we, we particular bread, my my wife bakes bread. Actually, let me go back to the hair set real quick. With the hair set, so my daughter made it this year. We do apples, like a like a mixed fruit mixture, uh, like mixed raisins. Put some honey in there with some grape juice, and yo, we just throw that joint in the blender, and it comes out. If you can imagine, it's almost like a peanut butter jelly paste, and yo. Because we usually have some leftover for leftovers and stuff like that. Yo, we'll spread it on some bread. And it's like the perfect peanut butter jelly sandwich without having to, to do a bunch of different stuff, man. Anyway, the bread, the unleavened bread, my wife normally makes it. And man, I can't, I can't share her recipe with y'all. But it's, it's the tastiest thing I think I've ever had in my life, man. And, and we, as a family, we beg her to make this, like, all the time. But she made bread. Uh, some folks that came they made some some flatbread that was that was awesome they brought like this this uh this olive oil this garlic basil rosemary oil that they put together and we were like dipping the bread oh man it was was so good i'm dreaming thinking about it and then we got the wine or the juice right and so once again jesus gave a perfect a perfect description in the christian context like just like the lamb was slain uh For the sins of the people, so Jesus, the Lamb of God, is slain for us, and we uh, we don't take wine and pour it over the door, but the blood of Christ is poured all over our hearts, and it's cleaning us. Where the Jewish people would have to kill a lamb for every sin, every festival, the the priests at the temple were constantly killing animals uh, because not only did they have the sacrifice for sin. That people would bring their animal to the temple, and the, and the priest would slaughter it. But then they would um, ceremoniously um, take a take a lamb or or goat, and the priest would lay his hand on the, the goat, and then they would send it out in the wilderness. It's where we get the phrase scapegoat. Um, so there was there was all kind of stuff going on, but, but the blood of the lamb goes over top of us. Cleanses us from the inside out, and from what Jesus said, like it is our it's our promise of a new relationship with God. Um, it's the it's the it's the it's the seal. It's the representation of our new relationship with God. The, the blood of Christ covers us, so that when we get into judgment before God, He doesn't see our sinfulness; He sees the righteousness of Christ, the the, the bloody washed. Sinless uh, believer in Christ is now standing before the throne of God, and he says, uh, "My son's righteousness has covered you." Man, this is this is the this is the blood of the Lamb, y'all. This this is Jesus on full display. And then we have the Lamb itself. Um, Jesus is the Passover Lamb. He is the Lamb slain. He is the scapegoat. He is. Uh, Man. When, when Abraham is up on the mountain and he's getting ready to sacrifice his son, and Isaac says to Abraham, he says, Dad, we don't we don't have a lamb for the sacrifice, and, and Abraham says to them, God will provide it. But when they get on the mountain and God stops Abraham from, from murdering his son, what they see caught in the thicket is a ram. They don't they don't see a ram caught in the thicket. They see a ram caught in the thicket. Thousands of years later, we see uh, John the Baptist baptizing people in the Jordan River and he looks up and, saw, and sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The promise that Abraham said that God would provide a, a sacrifice, God would provide that, pas- that uh that sacrificial lamb, we see John the Baptist proclaiming, "Here is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world." And we see Jesus being slaughtered on behalf of His people, being the scapegoat, being the sacrificial lamb. His blood, like I said, is covering His people so that we are uh, we are clean before God from our from our filthiness. Even the righteous things we try to do are like filthy rags in comparison to the cleanliness that Christ gives us, we celebrate that, we celebrate the lamb, and, uh, oh my goodness, I usually, I usually, I I make the lamb, right, and uh, I've had people say, I I don't know how people prepare their lamb when when they've had it with other people, but I've had people say, like, yo, this, I don't even, I don't like when other people cook it, but there's something about the way you cook it, and I'm not trying to, like, brag about that, I think I've, I think I've figured out some methods of, of making the lamb palatable to people that, that don't typically like it, um, but y'all, it was, it was real good this year, man, and um, so what I do, I I end up marinating it for like four days, so I uh, I do, I soak it in pomegranate juice, garlic, the, the green part of those, those leeks that I cut off, put that in there, some rosemary, and um... This year, I added, like, a Middle Eastern uh, spice mixture to it. Yeah, I just let it sit, man. I let it sit in the bucket until it's ready to cook. And then I I, uh, I smoke it for about three, four hours or so until it gets, you know, like, that real good smoke ring. Get it up to, like, medium rare, somewhere in there. And uh, do, like, a, we usually have, like, a slicer, like a meat slicer that would do, like, thin strips of it. And we just have a ball, man, and, that, and that's that's our Passover. And, and every element, like I'll set out little cards for people to read through, like the Jewish context and the Christian context. And people are people are celebrating the Lamb slain. They are glorifying God that one day we don't have to go through the bitterness and the tears that we go through in this life. They're, they're sharing wine and juice. The kids are running around all crazy, and it's to the glory of God, man. Like that's I feel like that's what we're supposed to have in Christ. Like this is. We, we see the lamb slain. Sometimes we get so dwelt on our sins that we forget that we're freed from our sins. Not just when we get to heaven; we're freed from them right now. Death no longer has shackles on us. We follow the one who has the keys to death and Hades. Those things don't have power over us anymore because we belong to the lamb slain. That's how Paul was able to say, like, um, whether I live. But whether I die, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Like if I if I stick around here with y'all, like it's it's to the, it's for your game. Like I get to tell you more about Jesus. If I die and go home, I can go be with Jesus. Like I, it's a weird really, really situation here. Sorry, my camera got off a little bit there. I'm slamming on the tables and I'm so excited. But it was a good time, man. And um, I encourage y'all if you if you've never hosted. Uh, a Passover meal with your folks, man. Yo, y'all host a Passover meal with your folks. It's it's life-giving, in, in my view. And you get a chance to just be with people and, and celebrate a meal. and You get a chance to commune with them. Um, break bread and glorify God in the process, man. It's it's not like a... I feel like it's not a full Seder, because I think, like, the Jewish people, they, they have... They have all of their ceremony that they, that they do with the, with the traditional Seder. This is more like a, this is a, a Christ-based meal where we get to glorify God through the sacrifice of Christ, who is our Passover lamb, and our the fullness of our salvation. To him be all the glory. So, I had a good time. You know, it's a lot of work. Um, as you can imagine, it's a lot of cooking and preparing. People bring stuff. Um. And so there's food for everybody. There's food left over. I actually have a couple uh, lambs left over that I'm going to bless some of my neighbors with. But it's a blessing, man. And um, for those of y'all that uh, that live in my area that want to come through, y'all next time I have one, you'll hit me up. You can come through and, and share uh, in, in this glorification of God. But just taking, taking a holiday. And actually making it about Jesus in a way that, like, and this wasn't something that was invented or or pasted Christianity on top of. This is this is a meal that Christ Himself partook of. And, and in a way, man, it's almost like we're we're communing with Christ right there at the Last Supper. Because I'm sure they had different elements that they would spread across the table. But I love it, and. Um, Whatever your holy day is, glorify God in the midst of it. I, that would be my encouragement. But y'all, gonna wrap it up there, man. Yo, I. This was a fun episode. Uh, I I wish I had I wish I had pictures, but as your boy is cooking, I ain't got time to do all that. <laughs> um, but if y'all come, y'all can check y'all can check it out. Um, but I love y'all. Hope y'all doing well, man. I'm gonna wrap it up. Yo, uh, to the glory of God. I hope y'all doing well. And until next time, grace and peace.